this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the contact section, and you can reach me that way as well. And if you want extra shows every week, consider becoming a member to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Once you join and become a member, you get access to new episodes every Thursday. So if that's something that interests you, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com and check out the memberships. Now this week we have Sarah coming on the show, and Sarah's going to talk about some different experiences that she's had, but it all seems to start with a great-grandfather who actually knew Travis Walton. And from that point on, her story unfolds where she's had UFO encounters. And from what you're about to hear, it really sounds like she was abducted. But before we get to Sarah, I found something on the internet that reminded me that I never talked about it on the show beforehand. And about a year ago, I saw this video pop up and it's baffling to me. So if anybody can actually explain to me how this is possible, I'd greatly appreciate it. But there's a video that popped up last year and I don't want to tell you what it's saying. I want you to listen to the audio and you tell me what you think you hear. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a little exercise here. This is one of those Lori Yanny kind of things. But listen to this audio and just listen to it and you tell me first off what you think you heard the very first time around and then we'll dive into it some more. Okay, so now that you heard that, did you hear brainstorm? Because that's what you're supposed to have heard when you listen to this audio. But there's a lot of people who say, if you think of the words green needle, you will hear the words 
green needle when you play this audio. So when I play this audio again, I want you to think of brainstorm first. You'll hear brainstorm. And then I want you to think green needle and you're going to hear green needle. And if you really want to have some fun with it, listen for brain needle because you'll hear brain needle as well. If you mix the words up, you'll actually hear that as well. So listen to the audio for brainstorm and green needle. It's pretty trippy. Check it out. All right, so that was some trippy audio that I came across about a year ago, and I never talked about it on the show, and I just saw it again this past week, and I just wanted to kind of throw it out there for you guys to listen to. Pretty trippy stuff, and if you can actually explain to me how it's possible that we can hear Brainstorm and Green Needle off the same audio, please do so because I find it very, very fascinating. Now let's get to this week's show. What we're going to do is we're going to listen to an audio trailer for this coming Thursday's member episode. And after that trailer, we're going to dive right into this week's episode with Sarah. Let's go. for spring water it was the middle of the afternoon <clears throat> i had a honda accord we put the empty jugs in the back of it in the trunk and we drove out to the spring <clears throat> and we got out of the car and we each carried a couple jugs up to the spring and i was standing there filling jugs up i remember being i could tell you what shirt i was wearing i still remember very clear and he was sort of standing next to me and uh I was still in the jugs and we were talking and I remember hearing a noise and I remember we both turned our heads and the the next thing I remember is we're walking back to the car and it's dark out. And I looked at him and I said, didn't we come here when it was light out? And he said, yeah, I thought we did. And we we got to the car and the car wouldn't start. The battery was dead. So I had, I ended up calling a friend to come and get us. I had seen him like a year ago and I, I had asked him, I said, did, did this happen the way I remember it happening? That we walked up there, he said, yeah. And I said, do you remember anything? He said, no. And I still have no memory other than the sun being over our shoulder and filling the jugs and hearing the noise. And that's the last thing I remember. And we ended up walking back to the car at least six hours later when it was dark. Today, I have Sarah coming on. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So we were just talking and stuff. And uh, before we get into any of the stuff that you want to talk about tonight, which I think actually um, what we're about to talk about could segue into uh, your actual UFO experience. But uh, your grandfather was uh, friendly with uh, a pretty famous UFO abductee. Did you care to share with us? Yeah, that's right. Actually, my grand, my great grandfather was a logger up on the Kaibab Mountain, which is in uh, northern Arizona. Um, so people are familiar with um, other loggers in northern Arizona, uh, especially down in the Snowflake area. They will know Travis Walton, and um, uh, my grandpa worked with Travis Walton um, uh, logging up on the mountain. And um, <clears throat> when I was a kid. I was uh, very enthused about 
uh, you know, UFOs, Loch Ness Monster, Bermuda Triangle, like, and Sasquatch, that was kind of, that was kind of my deal. I was probably a weird little kid, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I remember asking my grandma, um, if she had ever seen a UFO or if she had ever, uh, you know, seen lights in the sky and she said, and this is, and that's when she shared with me, you know, that, Oh, your uh, great grandfather, you know, he, he worked with a man who was abducted by aliens and he, they made a movie about him. And I'm like thinking, Oh my gosh, they made a movie. You know, I'm like, I can, I can associate with this. I'm going to watch a movie about this guy. And she told, told me it was fire in the sky. <clears throat> And his name, well, she didn't tell me his name. And so I, I watched the movie and I know that <laughs> I, I watched it without my parents' permission because uh, my parents are very strict um, LDS, Latter-day Saints, and they would not allow me to watch any kind of PG-13 when I was really young. And so I kind of, I was already kind of rebellious at that age anyway, went out and watched this movie and and I was like, I knew it. They're real. It exists. It's gonna, you know, <laughs> this is, this is my life now. Like, <laughs> and, um, so yeah, it really brought in my mind. It opened my mind up to, um, asking more questions, I think, and having more of a, uh, different way of thinking than my peers. I grew up in a really, really small town and, um, <laughs> I have, I have about 20 people in my graduating class. You know, I, I mean, wow. it was a small town. Yeah. There's about, there's like 500 people. So, you know, in, the, in the town that I grew up in, um, and then it wasn't until, um, I think it was last June, um, I actually had my incident where I was, I, I mean, I saw lights in the sky, you know, and I was able to video them and I, I, uh, took pictures of them. I was with my friend Alexis, and she's the one who actually introduced me to your show. Would you like to point out too? Shout out to Alexis. Shout out to Alexis Sixella. She likes to, she's backwards like I like I am. Um, <laughs> she it was around midnight. Um, I told her I need to go get gas in my car before I forget, I'm one of those people where it goes down to the light coming on and I go, Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm out of gas. How did this even happen? So I, we went down the gas station and this is, um, we were in Kanab, Utah. So this is a tiny little town too. I think this town, I think Kanab probably has about 7,000 people. So it's a little jump up from where, you know, the town I'm from, which is about 17 miles north of here. Um, we were headed down to the gas station and we gassed up. And we were headed back and we were headed, we were driving, I was driving down a street with no street lights on it. Like it was, <laughs> it's dark, little tiny town. And, and she's like, there's a light above the tree. And I was like, I am trying to look, trying to like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm behind the steering wheel. So I'm trying to look from where she's looking. And, um, I, I kind of turned a little bit and I was able to see, and there was this huge orange light above the street tops. And it was probably about the size of a trampoline. <clears throat> it was, it was really weird. And then it went pink and it went out just like a flashlight. Like it, it just wow. went out and we we're like, what the hell was that? Sorry. What the, what the heck was that? Right. Um, we get to her house. We're, t- we're like, oh man, we saw a cool light. Like that was really cool. Like, 
maybe it was somebody like, you know, with, I don't know. I mean, I, we really had no idea <clears throat> to speculate on that. And, um, we got to her house and we're outside of her backyard. And I look over as we have this hill. It's, um, where I live, um, it well in Canab, there's just red dirt everywhere. It's the, the hills are all red. I don't know if anyone's familiar with like Arches National Park, and it, there's just red dirt everywhere, red sand. And so this big red hill, you know, of course it was middle of the night, and we're it's called K Hill, and we're like looking at the hill, and there's this light, and it's going up and it's going down and it's going left and right. There are no sounds, you know. <clears throat> can't figure out like you know like well maybe it's a drone right i mean i don't know um i i mean we're sitting there looking at it, speculating it and i and that's when i took a picture and i took a video and um i i i, I actually stepped out onto her back lawn um and this is probably like an hour later and the sprinklers came on, like I, I, the, none of the other sprinklers came on on the other lawns, and it was like, uh, you know, in the middle of the night, and the sprinkler came on on her lawn, just her lawn, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they don't want me to step out and record it, you know? <laughs> and she, <laughs> I was like, why are the sprinklers coming on? She's like, that's never happened before. I, I have no idea. We're like, whatever, you know, <laughs> like like try and get my phone wet, like nice try aliens. Like I'm still going to record you, you know? <laughs> and so we're sitting there a little bit longer and, um, it's like a two, three, two, three o'clock in the morning. We sat out back, we were listening to our, you know, podcast and, um, smoking cigarettes, just chilling and hanging out. And, um, <clears throat> I had just barely, uh, March, I had been off probation for about four months now four months then. And so I was able to stay out late. And so I was like, well, you know what? I want to go home. I'm going to go home and stay in my bed. You know, I don't want to stay the night like I was planning on. So around three o'clock in the morning is when I head home. And, um, I, so 17 miles North of here is where I'm from in Orderville. And along that road, there are these huge sand dune hills. And there is a peak, and the peak is maybe seven thousand, I think, elevation. <clears throat> and um, I get to that peak, and I'm like thinking, I bet I could turn around and look at Canab, and I can see that light. So I get out of my car, and I have a video of it. And I'm, there's Lincoln Park playing in the background as my Sirius XM. You know, I wasn't like trying to plug, you know, Lincoln Park, but, um, I was, uh, I, I get out of my car and I'm not even kidding you. It's probably like 500 yards away and then maybe a hundred yards up this bright orange light. And I'm like, what? It's right there, you know? So, um, <clears throat> one thing that we noticed about the light when I was in Canab was that it would glow really bright and it looked like something would pop out of the top. And whenever that little thing would go back in, it would glow bright again. Um, and it would like move around erratically. <laughs> so 
I get out of my car and I'm looking at this light and it starts moving towards me. So I jump in my car and I'm freaking out and I'm driving down the road and I, I didn't pass a single person on my way from Orderville to Canab, Canab to Orderville. And, um, I, I, my Sirius XM radio starts going in and out, going in and out. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get abducted by an alien. This is great. This is how my life ends. Like, this is how it's going to be. And I, I, I drive probably 10 miles and I get almost to Orderville. <clears throat> like I got to like the welcome to Orderville sign. And I'm like, okay, I bet that light, I can see the, that light from where I'm sitting like right here, you know? So I get out of my car and I look behind me and the light is right up there in the sky behind me. And I take another picture of it and that's when I capture, um, something coming up out of the top of it. And that's when I, I mean, and it has just this weird, it's kind of, it's shaped like a teardrop kind of, um, but it's like, it was, it was changing. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life. And, um, I turn around and it's, I'm like, there it is, folks. You know, I'm like talking to myself in the middle of the night out in a, out by a field, of course. But I'm like, there it is, guys. I don't know what it is. So I get back in my car and I drive into town. And on my way to my house, I'm probably only um, four houses away from my house. And um, I look to my left and right above the cemetery is that orange light again. And it's clear. I live in a valley. It's a tiny little valley. Um, and it's in the valley and it's right above the cemetery. And, and I think, um, when I took that video, uh, you can see in my car that it says it's like, um, three 30 in the morning. Uh, it, you can see it on my dash and I'm listening to audio slaves. So I have it turned up kind of loud. And, I roll my window down. I'm like, well, there it is. Like, there's that light again. I don't know what it's doing. Ugh, it was so bizarre. It was so weird. So I get to my house and I get out of my car, try to look up there by the cemetery and see if it's there. And it's gone. And we have these huge white mountains that surround the valley. And they probably go up to about nine 9,000 in elevation. And that light had gone from the cemetery all the way up to above the White Mountains in, I mean, in a short amount of time, probably two minutes, a minute and a half of me driving to my house. <sighs> it was so bizarre. And I get to my room. I can see it from my room. And it's still moving around and it's still blinking. And it has those lights coming up out of it. And that was probably about, you know, 3.30 in the morning. And I don't really remember after that. I remember waking up the next morning around seven o'clock, um, seven thirty. I don't remember getting into bed. I don't remember falling asleep. Um, <laughs> the MUFON, the guy that interviewed me for MUFON, you know, he's like, you had missing time. I'm like, I did, but I don't want to admit that I had missing time because that's scary to me. Like that, sure. that weirds me out, you know, like, so I just had a moment where I was sitting at the end of, at my edge of my bed and I saw this light and then it was morning, like, <laughs> you know, 
it was it Hold was really bizarre. Um, Did you? So you're saying you were at the edge of your bed and you saw the uh, a light, and then that's all you remember? Yeah. What, yeah. What, what kind of light are we talking about here? Are we talking about a light that was in the sky, like you were watching, or a flash yeah, of light? Yeah, I was. Or? Yeah, a light. You know what? It, it was just. Um, yeah, I mean a bright light. It was just a light in the sky, and uh, and then I remember waking up in my bed. Then, like a few hours later, I don't remember even getting into bed or anything, and. I, I don't know. It was totally bizarre. And I, I, I just like to tell myself I was so tired that I must have just crawled into bed and, you know, I, <laughs> you know, but, um, he, he liked it. He, he specified that as missing time. Um, I, the guy from MUFON and I was like, okay, man, whatever you say, you're the expert, I guess. But I don't, I don't want to admit that cause that's scary to me. You know, have you ever, process that in your mind since then have you ever come to a different conclusion or do you still tell yourself you don't you didn't have missing time i have i i i acknowledge i have missing time yeah like to me um from what it, what i've had experience in my life i guess um i i do have i i used to have a reoccurring dream when i was a child where i had a bright light shine through that because i'm in the same room that I was in when I was a little kid where I had the experience with, you know, my closet and the devil in my, in my closet and, yeah. and, uh, the, the paranormal experiences I had when I was little, little, I'm back in that same room. Um, so is that what um, this happened? It, yes. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but when I was little, I used to have a reoccurring dream and nightmare that, I had a bright light shine through that window and it lived, something lifted me up and I went through my window into the sky. I used to have a reoccurring nightmare about that <clears throat> when I was little. How old were you? I was probably about seven, six or seven. What was your knowledge of, you know, missing time, abductions, aliens at that age? Um, this was about... This was before I had read that book. This is before I had, I like, I don't know. The dream that I had, um, when I was little too, um, I actually had like a sleep, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, I had a, an issue with my sleep. I would go from, cause you have apparently, uh, different uh layers to your sleeping when you fall asleep you go like you know when you're first to your second to your third your fourth to REM sleep and you have to go through all of these in order to sleep well I guess um when I was little I had to be taken in and had um they had analyzed my sleeping they put a like a cap on me and put little stickies on my head and and I apparently would go from the first to the second all the way down to REM. And then when I got to my REM, it was so deep that I couldn't wake back up again. And so they had to retrain me on my sleeping. And um, and so I had a lot of issues with that when I was young. This is not what I 
was thinking was going to be talked about here in, the, in this kind of way, uh, which is fine. Right, obviously. Yeah. I'm absolutely fine with that. Just because I'm sitting here thinking about, I think it was episode 78 when I did the interview with Ryan, who spent his entire life basically going through these missing time experiences, waking up with bruises on him, things like that. And yeah, and yeah, and I would sleepwalk as well too. See, um, there's a lot of similarities I would, there. I would wake up outside out a lot, like. Yeah, see. And this, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> he had a hard time admitting that he had any kind of alien abduction. Uh, I think he was able to, he was able to admit that he had missing time, but the result of that missing time, he couldn't come to terms with. And I think he pretty much came to terms with it while we were recording for the show. Because uh, when we were talking beforehand and stuff, he's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then by the end of the show, he's right. just like, yeah. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. And and he had a lot of different crazy stuff happen to him. And I know I you and I talked and I you, know, you sent me the list of, on your email of everything that you've had happen to you. You've had a lot of crazy things happen throughout your life, not just what we talked about so far. And right. I I just I do wonder if these things are connected in any way. Uh what are your thoughts on that? I I totally agree. I know that you made a comment recently back about how um, you know, there are some people that live their life and they have absolutely nothing extraordinary happen to them. They grow up and they have these stable <laughs> childhood and they have normal things happen to them. They go to school and they go to college and they get a degree and they have a job and they, or they open a business and, and, um, that's their lives, you know, and that's how they live and that's how they exist is just solely off of, you know, what's in front of them. And, um, I, I can, I attribute to like my father, like my dad, and I'm actually adopted. Um, I, I've actually been really blessed throughout my life where my parents, um, adopted me and my little sister. And, uh, I mean, I, I was, I was like supposed to be born in like, you know, the in poverty in Mexico and, and, uh, I came to my parents paid this woman to come across the border to have me so they could adopt me. And so, um, for me to be here and then I experience all this throughout my life, like it's just really fascinating to really kind of look at a timeline or just kind of take a step back and look at a life and, you know, view it as how you live, how you want to, I guess. But, um, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of crazy stuff happen to me throughout my life and, I still do have crazy stuff happen to me, like, um, pretty life changing stuff, you know, and that would probably, I don't know if it would break another person, but it makes me like grateful that I'm, you know, so blessed to have Jesus in my life and blessed that I have, uh, you know, structure that, <laughs> that I, I'm able to build off of, you know, and to have a faith and have a testimony and, and to know that the things that I've gone through has helped me get to where I'm at now, you know, and to be grateful for it, that it happened, you know, as much as it was horrible when it did happen, to be grateful that things have happened in my life to where I'm at now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, throughout the things that happened in your life, whether it was, you know, self-inflicted or things that you really didn't have control over, uh, that you did come out on top. I mean, like, or at least you're coming out on top, you know what I mean? Like life is right, a journey exactly. and, we're, and, and we're, you know, constantly going through it till the day we take our last, last breath. So, I mean, it's just like, 
we're here now. Well, we don't, we don't know what's coming tomorrow, but the better we prepare right. today, the more we'll be able to handle tomorrow. So it's just being That's proactive right. about life. And uh, a lot exactly. of people, a lot of people live their lives on default. They just let things happen. And yeah, and, you know, cause right. I don't know how old you are. I'm 33 years old. And when I was 23 years old, I wasn't the same person I am today. And I fully expect <laughs> that when I'm 43, I'm going to be a different person than I am today. And exactly. I can either control that change and, you know, try to be somebody I want to be, or I can let that change happen by default. But either way, it's going to happen. You're going to change. You're going to be a different person. That's just happened. That's, that's just right. life. So that's kudos right. to you. Live and, live and let live, man. You know, like it's not just about allowing us ourselves to forgive, but it's about, it's about allowing ourselves to move forward with life too. Because if you can't, because it's easy for people just to be like, okay, well that happened. I'm just going to allow it, you know, let it be a thing. But Take something from it, move forward on life, use a stepping stone, put it in your tool belt. And, uh, you know, next time maybe, you know, I don't know, you know, but, uh, yeah, I know some of like when you were like, some of those things were self-inflicted and I was like thinking about, you know, like getting involved in the occult and getting involved with Satanism and, um, yeah, why don't you go into that? How miserable, how miserable my life was. I was totally and absolutely miserable and I hated myself. And, and so when you hate yourself, you exude it upon everybody else too. You know, you project it to everything and I, I used to hate everybody and everything. And, and so, um, it's amazing how, I, you know, and maybe it's not all the same for other Satanists. I can't speak for them, but for me, you know, that's how it was for me. And, um, and how having a different view on life and having positivity has completely changed my life. Um, when I was in, I actually was, I used to do seances when I was really, really young, um, in my parents' home. And I feel like, um, I contributed a lot to the paranormal activity that has happened in my home and that still happens today. Um, I know I, I was going to ask you if you want me to send you that video. I, I have my, it's a, <clears throat> I was with my son and he was just playing in the mud and I'm like, yay, you know, this is fun. And, and we were home alone. The neighbors were gone. Nobody is around. And you, when you can clearly hear a man speaking with um, a Louisiana accent, like in the background of this video. And, I, and at the time I, ne I didn't hear it. And so when I replayed it, I'm like, that's bizarre. Okay. You know, this just happened, you know, last year. And I'm like, Oh crap. Like I should really, you know, apply some of this positive, positive thinking and, um, this, my values to, really neat and like getting rid of all these things that I've brought into this home, into my home. And so like, <laughs> I got rid of my tarot cards and I got rid of my spell book and I got rid of my pendulum and, and, uh, I, you know, I, it's, I feel like it's made a big difference in my, in my family's life and my family's home, you know, and, um, we did this, we did this one seance and this was up at the, uh, uh, it was like in the abandoned elementary school in Orderville. And, um, we, there's three of us and we, we, uh, we each wrote a wish. This is what I wrote. I, you know, we said we wrote a wish that we wanted something to happen in our lives. And, 
my one friend, she wished that a boy that we knew would get acne because she hated him so much. And my other friend wished that her boyfriend would come back to her and we cut ourselves and like drip blood onto the paper and, and we burned it. And this is when I had like zero idea of how rituals worked. I had no idea. I hadn't read anything um, along those lines and, uh, <laughs> and, um, we have, um, all three of us have suffered from, um, really late term miscarriages. And my last friend, my, my friend who wished for the boy to have acne, she, she lost her baby, um, a couple of years ago. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't know, call it a coincidence, you know, and I, I, uh, I lost a child, um, when I was about six months pregnant and, and, um, and so did my other friend. I'm not going to say their names. They know who they are. I don't even know if they listen to this podcast or not, but out of respect for them, you know, I don't want to say their names, but, um, one of the coincidences that we would perform literally a blood ritual, and all three of us would lose, you know, our children at a very, very late, late term. You know, I, I found that really, that struck, that struck with me, that struck, you know, that really resonated yeah. with me. Cause I'm like, this is real, you know, this is real stuff and it will affect your life. And it will really affect your life to a point where you don't want to deal with it. Cause after I lost that child, I, I really turned to drugs and alcohol <clears throat> pretty bad. I used to be, um, a pretty bad meth addict and, uh, heroin and anything anybody had, you know, I used to shoot up and that was my thing. And, but, you know, that was, that was a long time ago. So, you know, Sarah, what was the thing that you wanted done? You told what your friends wanted, but I don't think you said <laughs> what you wanted. I didn't say what I, I didn't say. Um, I, I wish to be beautiful. That's what I wished. I wanted to be pretty. I had really low self-esteem and I had like a really horrible self-image of myself, um, which it could say probably because of, you know, adoption and, um, you know, a thing that I went through when I was a kid, you know, abuse and, and I had a really low self-image, but What's important is that now I've um, I've been able to really learn that it's not just how you look, but it's how you treat others and how you talk to yourself, you know, your self-coaching voice and, and how you talk to yourself and how you treat other people, kind of. Um, yeah. If you're not genuine with the mistakes you've made or you're not genuine with yourself, you're not going to be genuine with anyone else. So... <laughs> that's yeah. what I wish for. It's so, it's so, uh, oh, petty <laughs> though. No, like, I get it. You know, I really do get it. I mean, uh, right. people wouldn't probably people wouldn't guess it, but I, when I was a kid, I struggled with, with the same kind of stuff. I was picked on all the time. In fact, I lived in a really rough neighborhood and I'm not even kidding you. 
almost every day of my life, I was in a fight with somebody. Like, and I wasn't starting fights. Kids Dang. picked on me, and it got to the point where it's either you're gonna let them beat you up or you're gonna start defending yourself. And for ten right. years of my life, it was like that, and that takes a toll on you. And it was a lot of racism. And so I'm Puerto Rican, and uh, but my mom's white, and so like. I lived in a trailer park with a bunch of kids that were just, uh, you know, mean kids and they called me every name under the sun. And when when, I can uh, relate to that. Yeah. When when I moved to a new school district, that was my ninth grade year, just going into high school. I moved to a whole different school district. I was new start. Um, I was so messed up mentally that I would wear all black clothing because I thought it made my skin look lighter. And so, I mean, like myself, Sorry, I'm not laughing at no, you. I, get it. No, I can relate. <laughs> I no, can I mean, relate. I, I know how you feel. That's exactly what I did. I used to be gothic, like, <laughs> sad. Yeah. like crazy gothic. Well, I was like, I was a hip hop head, but I just made sure I wore all black because I, I just, I, I needed, I, I just wanted to fit in and I was so desperate and it took me, it took me about a, halfway through my high school years to really finally kind of let go of my past. And I never really truly let go. In fact, even today, I still struggle with my past of my childhood and stuff. But um, I I finally was able to kind of let go in the sense of socializing with other people and stuff. And, uh, you know, so I mean, you take the kid that I was, and I mean, that's just a segment of my life. But I mean, you take the kid that I was to the person I am today. And, you know, people change. Like I said, people change and and, and life moves on. And so will you. It's it's a matter of what you want to do with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, see, yeah, I I grew up in an all white town. I was the only brown kid, you know, so I can relate to what you're saying. One of my nicknames was Brownie. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I I mean, I was called like Mexican mafia, like, and I was like, yeah, that's me. One brown kid in Orville, like that's Mexican mafia. Like, watch out. I'll stab you with my butterfly knife, you know, like back up. You know, yeah. I grew up like really angry and I grew up, you know, hating myself and how I looked and, and I used to wear all black and like do the black nail polish and dye my hair like super dark, like blue black. And I was also into sports too. And I played basketball and volleyball and I was nice. in like, uh, all of the schools like FFA and FUCLA and FHA and FBLA, you know, like the school things they have yeah. And, <laughs> yeah it was ridiculous i'm so glad high school's over like um, i i see people all the time from high school and i'm like hey i'm okay now like thanks for sticking around i guess like <laughs> you know i'm i'm okay now i'm like i'm happy now so you guys can approach me and say hi so it's funny yeah i i i have to find humor in it because i have to find humor in everything you know so sure so i mean like your childhood um, was, uh, I'm assuming, your experience with, you know, your paranormal experiences as a little kid uh, were before the Satanism that you uh, took up, at, which yeah. I, to be honest with you, I, I would say that had probably, you picking up Satanism probably had a lot to do with your own self-image, um, you know, and so yeah. uh, it is what it is, but uh, why don't you let us know, you know, what happened here when um, you were younger and uh, you thought that the devil would come for you? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I was a really, really young kid. I mean, I was really young and I, I'm in the same room I'm, at, I'm in now, except that the bed is on the other side of the wall. And um, 
every night I would use, I had to have my parents stand at the door and wait until I fall asleep because I, I mean, I, I was con- I I was convinced, but I mean I knew that the devil was like would come for me at night. He would come like out of my closet at night, and then while he came out of my closet at night, he would like hurt me. He would if I had my if I had a leg sticking out, like I would get pinched. I would wake up from being, and sometimes it felt like a um like a like a burn. Like it felt like uh, like someone holding a match to me. I I is the only way I can explain it. Or like I don't know if you've ever like like uh, uh, use a lighter and held the end to the the light to sure. the metal and then press it against you. Like I used to do that, and and that's kind of how it was the sharp shooting pain, and um, and uh, I used to wake up and I'd tell my parents, you know, I'm like. The devil, you know, something comes out of my closet at night and hurts me. And if I have my, if I have a leg sticking out, it, it, it'll, it'll hurt me. And so I, I used to, and I still do to this day, like I still can't have a leg sticking out. I can't have, I don't know. And it, um, and like, just like when I was a kid, I used to turn my, my back to the room and I would face the wall because it was, I, it would be there. I could see a dark shadow in my room at night. And, um, and it seems like this how all this all happened before I had my sleep issues, before I started having issue, issues with my sleep. And, um, and, uh, it, it, it was before all that happened. And then I started having issues with my sleep. Um, and I would sleepwalk and I would have night terrors and I would, um, um, wake up screaming, you know, or I'd wake up outside and it's, um, you know, just like waking up at three thirty-three in the morning. Um, there's a different kind of fear that's associated with waking up at, in a different place, you know, like waking up outside, you know, that's scary. Like that's, it's, <laughs> To me, it, it it filled me with the most intense fear, you know, I've ever had. And and um, my sister, um, it, and I have, and I I haven't had this in a long time. Um, and I used to have uh, sleep paralysis too, and uh, I absolutely hate my sleep paralysis because it's the same every time, and I um, I I can't. Not you know I have I used to have it maybe three or four times a month, and um, I, I I have found something that helps me you know now that it's not so it's you know it's not like a narcotic you know it's like for sleep you know that my psychiatrist has had me take and and so far I haven't had any issues I still do have. I, I had sleep paralysis once, maybe about two months ago, but it's nothing like it used to be, you know, and it's like when I would get stressed or disassociate and be stressed out that it would happen. But, um, I see a therapist and I, and I talk to somebody and so I don't really get too stressed out like I used to, but, um, <clears throat> so my, yeah, the sleep paralysis was 
absolutely, it's absolutely frightening. And I was waking up outside, you know, for me, um, like I, or even when I used to wake up in bed and my, the bottoms of my feet would hurt because I had been walking around outside, you know, and with no shoes on and we have gravel, you know, everywhere. And, and, uh, that's it's creepy because you're like I went somewhere and I don't remember being there and I'm you know or I, I got out here and I don't remember getting up out of bed and getting here and so um I you know I, I it was based on fear too you know based my life on fear you know and it was really scary experience yeah I can imagine I mean I've never experienced sleep paralysis and stuff but I've heard enough people talk about it that I don't think I want to go through it so uh, no absolutely not i I would not wish that upon anybody. Um, and, and for me, it's the same every time too. And so it's not like, it's weird. It's so bizarre. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of it's because of the occult, honestly. A lot of it's based off of um, doorways I've opened for myself in the past and trying to get rid of my so-called demons, I guess, you know. Um, well, I mean, there's, there's things that happened to you before you took up the occult that are pretty yeah. significant. I mean, you, you feel right. like things, you know, pinching your leg and things like that. I mean, there's something physically coming on to you, uh, yeah. at an early age. And that's why I wonder with like all this different stuff. Cause I mean, I don't put anything off the table when it comes to all these different experiences people have and stuff. And you know, some of the things that sometimes I wonder, are they, you know, related? The UFO experiences you've had along with the right. paranormal experiences, along with you eventually turning into, go into the occult for a little bit. I mean, are they all connected some way? The fact that your grandfather was friends with Travis Walton, who was a logger with him. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. Do, do you know if your grandfather was one of the guys that was in the truck with him or was he just a guy that worked with them? I he I don't think he was one of those guys that was with him the truck. Okay. You know what? I don't know, honestly. Like they don't really the one thing in my family is we don't really talk about um my great grandpa, you know. It wasn't until I had my experience with the lights that I did that I he even had them opening up to me and they that's when they told me, you know, he he when he died it was he died in absolute shame because he was a UFO enthusiast and, and he was an alcoholic and he, he built a landing station for UFOs on his property up in the mountains, you know, and, and people made fun of him and it was this big joke, you know? And so I feel like my family kind of like hid that from me because they did hide it from me. Um, until I started talking to them about, about these lights and stuff. And, and that's when actually, my mom was telling me, <laughs> well, first of all, my mom mentioned to me about, I told her the story about, you know, um, my other story out at the cane beds and, and she's like, well, you know, Bigfoot are, are supposedly interdimensional beings. I'm like, Oh, you believe in Bigfoot. You never <laughs> told me. How dare you? And I was like, of course they're interdimensional, you know, and talking to her. And I was like, this is how much my family has been closed off about it. They they don't even, they don't even talk about it, you know? And That's my mom was telling me that when she was really young, see my, my grandma, um, 
my grandma, which would be my, you know, my great grandfather's daughter. Right. So, um, she was going to take when my mother and her and her brothers and sisters were really, really young. She was going to take them all to California to Mount Shasta to a Bigfoot convention in the sixties and seventies or the late sixties, early seventies. And I'm like, what? What are you? What are you talking about? Like, where is Mount Shasta? I didn't even know anything about it at the time. And she's like, Oh yeah, well, we were we were going to do it, but you know, she she got threatened to that they would take away her kids. You know, take away us if she left out of state with us. And, we're, and I'm like, What? Thanks for telling me. Like this. <laughs> like the, the, I'm not crazy that you know I was somehow. I somehow was able to find my way to this stuff without their guidance, you know, too much, you know, except for when my grandma told me about firing this guy when I was little, um, I, I still found my way to it. You know, I still had found my way to it and had my experience and, and, um, even sharing about it, like, cause I actually showed quite a few people, the lights I, I video because I'm like, hey, if you have a better theory about what you think this is, please share with me because I'm open to hearing what people have to say. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's a drone. It's a drone. You know, I'm like, a drone? Why would it follow me all the way from Canal to Orderville? Like, <laughs> that's a waste of money. Like, I'm the most boring person like they could ever choose to follow, <laughs> you know. I was like, I, you know... <laughs> I'm, I'm sober. I chair, I chair, you know, AA and NA meetings. Like I'm pretty sure they could follow much more interesting people than me, the cops. And, you know, and I, you know, I told them, I'm like, what, what is it? You know, I opened it up, you know, to people I worked with. I'm like, what do you think it is? You know? And people like, I don't know. I don't know, Sarah. They're like, what do you think it is? I'm like, I don't know either. It's, an unidentifiable flying object is what it is to me, you know? And, um, <laughs> I think it's funny. Yeah. But. You know, I've, what I find interesting too, a couple of things. One, uh, it turns out my dad, you know, used to listen to Art Bell and coast to coast in the truck at night when he drives, nice. cause he's a truck driver too. And I never knew that myself until, uh, I started <laughs> looking in the Bigfoot and I, I told my family that I was really, serious about it and stuff. And my dad's like, Oh yeah, you should, uh, check out this guy. You should check. I'm like, who, are, what, what, hold on a second. You know, and he, <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's the one who told me You're about like, the audacity of you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like my, I didn't know, I was so new at looking into this stuff. I didn't know any, who anybody was. And Lauren Coleman is a really, you know, well-known person. And, uh, right. my dad's like, yeah, you should definitely look into Lauren Coleman. He's got a lot of great stuff. And I'm just like, all right, I'm just like eating it up, you know, but my dad was, he's, right. he's he was, he listens to this podcast. I mean, he's going to hear me talking about this, you know, <laughs> like he, he loves <laughs> listening to this stuff while he's driving a truck, his truck. But I find it interesting that these things that you've experienced, um, and they kind of correlate with your family in a sense, but yet they're, right. they're not blood. And that's, that's what I find interesting. I know. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, what are the chances? I mean, that, I mean, you know, I would end up in this family and I would still have the same types of experiences without even knowing how in depth these, these guys were or how, or anything. And I remember showing the video to my aunt Connie and <laughs> I was like, 
Well, I contacted MUFON. I'm like, do you know what MUFON is? And she's like, of course I know what MUFON is. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Didn't um, mean to, you know. <laughs> I'm like, of course you know what it is. Of course. Everybody, like, knows what MUFON is. Like, not really. But she said, like, of course I know, you know. So I'm like, of course you do. Right. Exactly. Moving on. So this is what I thought. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, the, the, I mean, this is just, you know something that's been a part of the family that they uh they didn't want to talk about um so i showed the light the video to my my aunt connie and to my aunt valerie and to my parents and they had told my grandma about it and i because i hadn't mentioned it to my grandma yet you know or anything because i wasn't like going around town like everybody look at what i've got you know i wasn't really broadcasting it all over town but um so my grandma came down to the house and was like I heard that you saw something and I'm like I and at first I didn't really understand what she meant you know I was like what did I what did I see and she's like I don't know and she just points to the sky and her eyes go all big and I'm like oh yeah yes I, I did see something yeah you know and like that you know she she didn't even want to say it out loud you know like that's it, you know, she didn't want to say it out loud because maybe she had said it out loud in the past and she'd been berated for it or made fun of or, you know, cut down and, and made the feel or been disrespected over it. And I just was felt so bad about how she, you know, I, does that make sense? I guess. Because, yeah, absolutely. You know, she, she didn't even want to say it out loud, but she was really, really intrigued by it and talking about it with her. Um, she was telling me about my, uh, basketball coach in high school and about how, uh, he had witnessed a huge orange light, um, uh, 20 up on Cedar mountain where I, I had worked at the gas station. I met Mr. Bendernagel and, um, they had an orange light follow them. She said, and she said that it scared the pants off of them. She said they were so scared. And I was like, oh, that's so bizarre that it's like an orange light, you know, and I saw, you know, an orange light and <clears throat> I was telling my boss about it, this lady that I work with. And she told me that she had also seen an orange light in the sky in this area, except they were down further South in Arizona, up on the Kaibab national park, like the, uh, which is, you know, just a little bit north of Snowflake, basically. And um, so this is like a common thing around here where people see an orange light, I guess. I, I wasn't aware of that. You know, I didn't know anything about it until it happened to me and people shared with me their experience. Um, my boss, she told me about an experience she had that was Bigfoot related and She's like, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was, but this is what happened. She's like, but I don't know what, she threw her hands in the air. I just don't know what it was. I just don't know what it could have been, you know? And, and, uh, <laughs> it, it's just funny. People's reaction to admitting something bizarre had happened, but not wanting to place what, you know, what it is that caused it. And that's kind of a common theme I see with people where they're just like, this something bizarre totally happened, but who knows what it was? Like, let's not place the finger on it because, you know, once you start 
saying things like Bigfoot or UFO, people like speculate and they draw their own conclusion and maybe it's a hurtful conclusion and maybe they're disrespectful about it, you know, which is something that comes along with Bigfoot and UFOs anyway. You know, uh, you mentioned it just a few minutes ago, and I want you to get into it because you you told me personally, but you haven't told it for the audience. Uh, but before you get into the, how you met, you know, Doctor Bendernagel, because that's actually a pretty big deal. Because <laughs> uh, because then you can uh, from that, I want you to segue into uh, your possible Bigfoot experience. I know you, you want to, you know, probably refer to it as possible, but I, I I don't know what else it could have been. Um, right. Before, yeah. Before you get into that, I wanted to ask you. Uh, you have these experiences and they range from paranormal to UFO. And, you know, we speculated, you know, what, where, where's the line between the two and things like that. But what are the freaking odds of your grandfather working with Travis Walton, the most famous UFO abductee probably ever. And you having these experiences in your life, you know, like it, it, like your grandfather is such a, a Bigfoot or a UFO enthusiast that he built a freaking landing pad on his property. Yeah. You know, like this, like yep. obviously what happened to Travis Walton, he believed and it affected him deeply. And to have right. you, his great granddaughter, uh, have all these experiences that something tells me your family has more experiences than they're leading on. Oh, definitely. I totally agree. And I, um, I don't know how to make them tell me, (laughs) you know, um, one thing about, uh, Travis Walton, and I think I shared it with you right before we started the the interview, but, um, one thing that my great grandpa always said about Travis Walton was that he was stranger than a $3 bill. That's what he used to always say. And whatever experience Travis had and that he shared with my grandpa. I mean, I feel, I feel like that's what maybe started, um, his enthusiasm for it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. This is all speculation. Cause I, I actually never met him cause he passed away before I was born. But, um, you know, like what are the odds that he had such a, a, you know, he was so enthusiastic about UFOs and he knew, and he worked with Travis Wallen and knew him, you know, enough that he came home and told his family about it because my grandma knew about it. My grandma was the one that told me about it. You know, I mean, I feel like it had a deep, deep impact on him, you know, and I feel like that because of that deep impact, that's what maybe um, boosted him towards being so involved in it too. Or even having his own experiences. I feel like he probably had his own experiences. Like, judging, and you know, based off of how he, um, how he was and how, um, how these things can affect you, you know? Because when I had my experience, and this is kind of something the MUFON guy shared with me, was that he's like, well, you know, a lot of people would use this as, um, a moment in their life to... I guess, um, really hold on to, uh, uh, Christianity. It's a spiritual moment for them. Um, it, it becomes like spiritual, you know, and after I had the, the light, the experience, I just wanted to just share this really fast because I forgot to mention it too. Um, I had nightmares the next day <sighs> and I, it was a nightmare. I, I'm going to, I am, I, I am not, 
the next night I was so scared to shut my eyes. I had all the lights on in my room. I, and I was just, I was really scared. I, I was filled with fear for shutting my eyes and having some weight and opening them up and seeing something standing next to me. Um, and I, and I had a dream <laughs> and in my dream, and maybe it wasn't a dream, but I'm going to take it as a dream because it was well, a nightmare. And I, in my, in my dream, I saw it was <laughs> in my mind. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really frustrating. There, there were, um, nine, nine grades in my room. Um, and each one took up a, a central square on the floor that glowed and they were in silver, like wearing like a silver type of outfit. And they only reached just right above the doorknob in my room. And there was four and four, uh, it, it was weird because there was four and there was four and then there was three, but then there was one right next to me. It, it was, and in my mind, I was like, there are nine here, but I only saw eight. I don't even know how to, how to explain that. Um, because I felt like it was like, I don't know. It was really scary. And I, in my in my room, I have like a table against the 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 wall next to me, like across the wall, and it was like there was one, there was one, two, three, four. So there were four central against the wall, the wall across from me, and it was like the one um, clear in the corner where my table was. It was like inside the table, like it was standing there. And it was, the table was still there and it was standing there inside the table. Does that, I guess, does that make sense? Like, like the table didn't exist, but the picture of it still did, the image of it. And it was able to stand there like in the table. And, and then I, yeah, for, <laughs> in my mind, I, I, uh, I respond in my head, there are nine in here, but I only seen eight and it it still is so confusing and it's really bizarre to me. And I don't understand what that meant. I don't, I want to, I want to believe it was a nightmare. Um, after that, I, I couldn't sleep. I, I, I don't know. It was bizarre. And, um, after that, I really, really, really turned to my scriptures. I started praying more and I started cause and I was looking on YouTube and I, I saw a meditation to reject astral beings. And I did this meditation and, um, and I haven't had anything like that happen to me again, honestly. I haven't had that that fear come back up for me like I did in my room when I was alone in my room. Like, 
it was the strangest thing. Um, I can still see it in my head too, as I'm talking about it, that, um, and all four of them, they looked like copies, um, standing in a row, standing in a row. And then the one that was right next to me, but in my mind, I was thinking there are nine of them here. I, I don't know why I thought that like, and I, it's so <laughs> confusing to me, but, um, we can move past that though. So, <laughs> well, because we want to. <laughs> no, I actually want to ask you a question. Did, do you remember anything other than that experience? I mean, did they touch you? Was there any physical interaction? Um, I don't think so. I don't know. Um, thinking about it, like I'm talking about it right now, and like I'm sweating. Like I all of a sudden just started to like sweat really bad talking about it. Like, <laughs> like I, I think out of anxiety, um, and I don't know fear, um, because I've never experienced anything like that before. Like had that kind of imagery, even if it was a dream in my mind come up for me, I haven't ever had that. And I'm like, like when I was emailing you and I was sharing with somebody for the first time, the uh, incident I had out at cane bed, I was like sweating then too. I was like having anxiety, writing it down and reliving that moment. And this is the first time I've actually shared this with anybody too. This, uh, like this dream experience I had a dream memory. I don't, I don't know what I, I felt when actually now that you, I mean, I feel like it ha, it was reaching towards me. Like that's what in my mind, the fear came from was the one right next to me reaching towards me. Um, yeah. And then you woke <laughs> up. I woke up. Yeah. Okay. Was I asleep? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I, I almost don't want to like admit that, Cause I was up, I was up all night and I didn't, I was scared to blink. Like I was scared to shut my eyes. I didn't want to sleep. I couldn't sleep. I was so filled with fear, but I, 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 I don't know if maybe I, I just fell asleep and I, and I have this dream memory of this happening, but I know that dreaming about one, I in my mind, I said, there are nine here, but I only saw eight. And so it's, it's thinking back on it, you know, and so it's, it's confusing. I don't understand what that means, but that yeah. reaching towards me scared me. I can, I mean, I can understand, you know, the confusion in the whole thing. Uh, how long ago did this happen again? This was, this happened in June. So very recently. Yeah. Uh, yes. And remind me, early in your life, when you were sitting at the edge of your bed, um, and you saw the light, and then you wake up the next day. Uh, how how long ago was that from now? Um. So I was I'm actually sitting here thinking about it, and it had to have been before I was five because my sister was not in the room, and my sister and I shared a room when they adopted her, and I was five when they adopted her, so. This is this is when I was really, really small. And then after that, when I was baptized and I was eight, I was already having my sleep issues. Um, so 
I don't, maybe, I don't know. Like, I asked my family, I'm like, do you remember when I used to do that? And they said, you always had trouble sleeping. You've always had trouble sleeping. And I'm like, no, but I'm like asking you, like, remember me saying that to you? Because I remember having that fear when I was a kid. And they were like, they didn't, they said they didn't remember me saying that. And, and I'm like, you know, I know I remember waking up in the night and seeing, and you know what, seeing dark shadows and I, I'm 32 years old and I have to have a nightlight on when I sleep because I, I have had fear of the dark for a long, long time in my life. And it really all started then. I used to have very, I used to have nightlights when I was, I had to have a nightlight when I was little, but definitely, um, now, (laughs) you know, I think there's going to be a lot there. There's a lot of stuff that, I mean, you may never want to do this, but, uh, if you want to kind of, if you get to the point where you want to really kind of get down to the nitty gritty of things, I I think you're, there's a lot of things that you're going to have to, uh, consider and consider seriously to really figure out if it was just a dream or if maybe it was something more. Um, it, cause if you just told me that story, if you said, if you emailed me that story and that's it, that's the only thing you had to tell me, I probably wouldn't even have you on the show because it's just like, okay, well, it's probably a dream, you know? But when you take right. that and pair it up with everything else you've experienced, everything else throughout your life and all the things it's like now you're looking at it as is one related to the other and it's like you got exactly. you got to actually try to figure out if you can um put it in a, a timeline you know where it's like you know that you put it from beginning to end and you still and you actually sit back and you look at it and you're like where are the comparisons here are there comparisons but that takes, you know, you wanting to do that. And you may not want right. to do that because it, it sounds like sometimes hearing you talk, you're just like, listen, I have these stories, I have these experiences, but I don't know how deep I want to get into figuring it out. So, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I, 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 yeah, you know, like the, like the spiritual aspect of it, like the paranormal aspect of it, like, you know, that's, that's, that's scary stuff. <laughs> like when, when it happens to, you know, like when you see things move when like, cause like, um, something that used to happen a lot was our radio would come on every morning, every, every morning at three o'clock in the morning, um, the radio in our kitchen would come on, you know, like that doesn't happen anymore, but it happened for a long, long, long time. And not like every day, you know, it, it, it was always the same time at three o'clock in the morning. And, um, and you know, I, I attribute, I attribute that I have, I feel like I have attachments. I feel like I've had attachments since I was really young. Um, because I have always had this, um, feeling of, I mean, I want to say, um, that things happen like when I'm around sometimes, um, I sometimes I feel like I'm haunted. Is that you know, like I'm a person that's haunted. Yeah, I understand. Um, like sometimes when I, I mean, you know, and using a Ouija board when I was a kid, you know, and 
and uh, how people say that Ouija boards aren't real. Like, I know there are some people that were on your show even talking about when they were, their parents allowed them to use Ouija boards as a kid. And I was like, I'm so grateful. I never did that when I was really, really young, you know, and I, I only did it when I was a teenager, I guess. You can be grateful for anything, but, um, yeah, you know, like that, the, the, the dream I had when it came to the, the life I saw and the missing time. And like, to me, that stuff is just like, you know what? I don't remember what happened when I had missing time. You know, I don't remember what happened. And, uh, if I'm not supposed to remember it, then I'm just going to let it be and let that just be how it is. Um, when it comes to like that dream, you know, I had, I don't know, you know, if I, if I want to open up my mind and admit that something that these things came to me at night, because sometimes, um, and I don't know if this makes, you know, sometimes I, I wake up and I feel like I've had, um, I've had like a breathing tube in my nose and, and like, I'm like, you know, and I was in jail actually. And I had instances happen to me there too. And I'm like, this is a jail, you know, nothing can happen to me here yet. I have this, this instance, these things happen and I had paranormal had things happen to me in jail too. Um, I had, we, 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 you know, this is a brand new jail we have here and we had, we would see a dark shadow at night when all, cause we are, the women are in 24 hour booking. So there's no pod for the women. Um, we would see a dark shadow moving around, you know, and this is, this, I feel like I'm haunted, you know, like I said, and, yeah. And I don't know. And then I, you know, like the fact that I, I, you know, we were talking about like John Vindernagel, you know, and I, at the time I was like, this guy is uh, (laughs) cookie dukes, you know, like Bigfoot, you're silly. Like this this sweet little old man. Sorry. How'd you go about meeting him? How'd that whole thing unravel? So I I was working at a gas station up on uh, Cedar Mountain called Todd's Country Store and which um helped me remember all the stuff that um how this happened um i couldn't remember john's last name i couldn't remember who he was but i remember he gave me his card which i threw away oh i wish i would have never thrown it away but i remember distinctly being like this guy is crazy and throwing it in the trash and um so he was telling me that he was there, that he had had uh, people have sightings up on the mountain where I used to live. I used to live up in Duck Creek Village. And um, he was he was coming in to the gas station where I worked, and he would... <laughs> like, one day, I was trying to fix the ice cream machine, right? And this man is, like, super intelligent. Like, he has two PhDs. Like, he's an extremely intelligent man. And I'm, like trying to explain him like so this machine is broken but I think it's because I need to like fix this little thing here and like I'm explaining to him because he's like what's wrong you know and and I'm sitting there like I have no idea how the machine works but I'm telling him why how I think it works and he like he's like actually this machine runs off of a yeah, and he explained the entire thing to me, and like he was all excited with the way he talked, because oh, the way that he, 
the way that he, when he would talk to you and communicate, he was like, and then, you know, he was so exuberant with life and with the way he talked. And, and, uh, and he reached his hand up in there and he pulled out a plug and it completely drained the machine. And I'm like, I'm like, how did you know how to do that? (laughs) You know, I'm like, wow, you're, you must be smart guy, you know? And now I know it's because he's like extremely intelligent, like, you know, has, uh, you know, an amazing education and probably knew how the whole machine ran. And, and I'm sitting there explaining to him, you know, and he's like, this poor, simple child. Like, <laughs> and um, so and, anyway, he was telling me about um, the sightings that there were up on the mountain. He was asking me if I ever had any kind of experience up on the mountain. And, and um, I was like, no, nah, man, like, that's not real, you know? And like, <laughs> actually we had an instance where we were all sitting outside, um, uh, in the middle of the night and Duck Creek has this huge, um, meadow and we heard something running through the meadow and we were like, Oh, that's just a bear on two legs running, you know, cause we were all drunk at the time. And I was telling him, I'm like, we didn't hear a bear running on his two legs in the in the meadow once. And he's like, you know that bears run on all fours. And we're like, oh, well, this one is on its back legs running. Like, and then like now I'm thinking like, <laughs> I wonder if <laughs> he was thought it was like the stupidest person on the face of the planet, like because um bears don't run on their back legs. I, I don't think they do anyway, still like but he, and so we're, I was telling him that experience and, and I'm like arguing with him. Like, no, I'm pretty sure it was a bear, man. Like, you know, bears are around here. Like we don't have a lot of bears. I'm pretty sure it was a big bear. And, and, uh, anyway, it was, it was hilarious. And so I met him and his wife and his grandkids and his grandkids would come in and, and get ice cream. And that's how I met him with the ice cream machine and stuff. And, um, and, and so I couldn't remember his name after I, I, well, I mean, I was listening to, gosh, I think it was your show and where I was listening to, okay, so, okay, now, okay, now I remember. So I finally um, admitted to myself that I had possibly had a Bigfoot encounter out at Cane Beds. And so I typed in Utah. Bigfoot and um I'm pretty sure it was a oh gosh it might have been you I I can't really recall who, might have been Nathan Rio what, pod, what was it Nathan might have been Nathan Rio, Nathan Rio? if you were on yes if, that if, was it yeah because yes it, that was it yeah because his that YouTube was channel was Utah Sasquatch yes Utah Sasquatch and so I I, I was like oh man cool so I was listening to it and you guys are talking about Todd standing, right? And his photos or his videos or something. And and I'm like, oh, Todd. I'm like, that was the name of the guy that I met. Because the place I was working at was called Todd's Country Store, right? And I'm like, Todd standing must be the guy that I met. And so I typed in Todd standing into YouTube. And the first video that popped up, it showed John Bindernagel and he was talking and I'm like, that's the guy that I met. I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's the dude. And then I was like, wait, 
his name and I literally didn't even, I couldn't even, I didn't even know how to say his last name. And so I typed in like John Bindernagel into Sasquatch Chronicles. And then I found out that he had passed away and I was so sad about it. And, and so that same day I had a job interview at a rehab, um, down the road. And so I decided, cause I hadn't even driven on that cane beds road. Haven't even been back out there. Um, I've been out there twice now since that incident happened. And, um, and so the whole way down, I listened to Wes when he was like talking about him passing away and, and, uh, the stories that he had and the people that would come on and talk about John. And it was just a pretty cool experience for me to be listening about John Bindernagel when I had met him years ago about Bigfoot and driving past the place where I had my Bigfoot experience. And, and so I was like, okay, you know, like, and then I, you know, I, I wrote to you about it and I wrote to Wes as well, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that was just crazy how that, how that happened too. Cause, and I remember looking down at John's card, his business card and just being like, I should keep this. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I was probably hung over at the time. I was like a huge alcoholic then it was a horrible alcoholic. It was a functioning alcoholic, which is the worst. And, um, and I, I threw it away and I was just, Oh, I wish I hadn't done that, but it happened. It is what it is. But, um, he really is one of the coolest guys though that I have ever met, you know, and he, he was telling me about how he's a wildlife biologist and how, you know, he, he loves being outdoors and, and, uh, he, at the time I remember him asking me about, um, trees and like different tree, uh, formations or um, something like that along the, I, I'm not really educated in, I don't know what you'd say, Bigfootology, so Sasquatch, Most people you are. know, <laughs> yeah. And I, and so I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really know much about it. And at the, t- now I, I know a little bit more, you know, I've listened to a few, um, of Sasquatch Chronicles and, I understand that there are different like tree formations that they do, or they make stuff with trees, or that they like, you know. Yeah. So, so I want. It was a pretty neat experience. It was a very neat experience. I mean, what are the odds that you know you're gonna ha- you have all these experiences and you run into John Bendernagel at the gas station that you worked at, and he helps you fix a machine yeah. that was broken, and and <laughs> everything that you said about John is everything. I've never met with him. I've never had a chance to talk to him, uh, but I've heard you know countless stories about John and everything I've heard matches up exactly with what you just said. The kindest person wants to help where he yeah. can and very just enthusiastic about life, and he was like that until the day he died. He was like that until the day yeah. he died. And so uh, it's, it's a very cool story. Very cool story. Uh, and I want, since you mentioned it, I want to get into uh, this possible Bigfoot experience you had. Uh, but I, I keep going back, but I just want to ask you one more question about this whole, your great grandfather connected to Travis Walton thing. Now, I know, I think it might have been before we started recording uh, that you couldn't remember your great grandfather's name. Uh, and, yeah. And I just, I just want to, read off to you the names of the men that were there that night and just tell me if any of them sound familiar to you uh there's ken okay. 
Ken, John, Steve, Alan, and Dwayne. Any of those sound familiar? Uh-uh. Okay. Um, my grandpa's last name is Hoyt, too. Okay, that's not Hoyt. one of those guys. H-O-Y-T. Gotcha. I think his name was Elza. Like I said, it's like a weird Mormon name. <laughs> because me, me and my family are all uh, members of the Church of Latter-day Saints, so... Gotcha. Yeah, I, I just didn't. Yeah. I, I just wanted to read those names off to you to see if any of them ring a bell. And uh, because I, I was going to say, what are the freaking odds? If, if if it did, I literally, I would, I would throw my phone and break it, Tony. I really would like <laughs> if it was him. I, I would seriously be like, well, I got to go like run my phone over with my car because that would just be the most astounding thing. I don't know why I would guess I would do that, but <laughs> it would be so astounding to me. It would. It would be awesome, though. Yeah. So uh, talk to us about this Bigfoot experience. I know that you had it uh, with, uh, I think you said you were a boyfriend. You and him stopped to get cigarettes or something like that? Right. Well, he is. he's actually the father of my two kids, my two youngest kids. And uh, he's not around. I don't have anything to do with him. We don't talk. He doesn't visit his children. Not trying to malign him. I guess about is maligning him. I'm sorry. It is what it is. But at the time, I used to be very in love with him and... We were together, and this was when, um, this was about three, four years ago. So, first got to explain the back cutty roads here in this podunk town we have. So, um, there's a road that, it's kind of, it, back then, it was just a straight dirt road. And it, it went from all the way from Arizona 389 to Utah 89, like US 89, like the main highway. And um, so it, back then it was just a dirt road that people would take that we, you could get down to like the big city a lot faster because like we don't have a Walmart here. We don't have like Taco Bell here. <laughs> we don't have, you know, JCPenney. We, we have like two, gro- two grocery stores and a dollar store and... Like, that's it, you know, and we have like Wendy's and McDonald's and that's just, that's what this town is <laughs> consists of. Like we don't have, so, so to get other stuff, we got to go now with St. George, Utah. And so there's this cutty, this cutty road and we call it, um, the cane beds road because it goes through cane beds, Arizona. And, um, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with is right next to Colorado city where Warren Jess is from, who, uh, <laughs> He's a polygamist of the FLDS church, and he had that compound down in Texas that was, like, where all the kids went in state custody because he was, like, okay. Anyways, Colorado City polygamist. <laughs> you go right past there. They're all, they're, I'm not trying to, you know, they're, they have their beliefs, and I respect that. You do whatever you want with your life. You know, it's not my, um, but, so, uh, my ex, he grew out, grew up in Colorado City, his mother and his family are polygamous. So they actually got kicked out of Colorado city by Warren Jeff, um, the Steve family when he was really young and they moved up to, uh, Cedar mountain where I met John Bender Nagel, like of that area. So him and his family moved out there, but he grew up when he was a little kid down that area for a while. And when he was in that area, came beds and stuff, he, his family, this, and this is what he shared with me. Yeah, this is what he told me, that um, as a kid, you don't go out 
past dark. You know, this is haunted. The canyons are haunted. But um, I guess, like, oh, man, um, you know, it's just haunted. You don't go out past dark. You don't go play in the hills past dark. You don't even go up in the hills during the day without, you know, complete supervision because without um, supplies or anything because strange things can happen and you could end up dying really easily here. So that happens a lot here, actually. There's a a place called The Wave um, in Arizona, and there's about three or four deaths a year there, and it's all, like, considered to be, like, Indian burial grounds and uh, sacred land, and that's also out at Cane Buds, too. Um, So we were driving along uh, on the dirt road, and this is probably... Once again, it's really late. Um, uh, three o'clock in the morning. I, you know, things happen to me a lot at three o'clock in the morning. They call it the witching hour or whatever, some nonsense. But things happen at night, and you know. And so we were driving along this road. We we're in his Toyota truck. It's like a 1986. <laughs> I googled it just to see how much it weighed because I'm like, <laughs> I was curious. Yeah. Um. So we're driving along this road and I was like, uh, I'm like, Hey, you should stop. We should pull up in this Canyon right here and smoke a cigarette. And, uh, um, he's like, no, 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 no. These are, this is you, you know, my mom raised us knowing, you know, we don't go out here at night. You don't go up in the canyons at night. You don't do any of that. You don't mess around with this stuff. And I'm like, whatever pussy, like, you're going to let your mom's little bedtime stories like scare you, you know, come on, be a man. Let's just pull off and find the road and have a cigarette. And he's like, do call me that, you know, whatever. So we pull off on the side of the road <laughs> and we go up in this Canyon and we park next to this big rock and uh, we get out. And the first thing we notice, and this is like, I mean, we step out of the truck middle of nowhere. Okay. This is, Literally, like, um, uh, I mean, it, it, the road itself, from one road to the next, it takes an hour and a half to drive this road, you know, an hour, an hour to drive on this road. So this is, um, n- there's nothing out there. I mean, it's just wilderness. It's the desert. It's these red slot canyons, you know. Um, it's right next to uh, Pearl Pink Sand Dunes. And, um, <laughs> there's nothing out here. So the first thing that I noticed, which was the scariest thing was that there were a bunch of coyotes and they were the yipping and how, like they were yipping, like they were scared. Like if you ever heard a dog when he's scared and he whines and yips, uh, uh, you know, it's is how these sounded. And there was a bunch of them. There was a lot of them making this sound it's serious. It's so unnerving. Like it's, uh, it was scary. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what do you think they're howling at? Like, what do you think they're so scared of? And he's like, and he's already freaking out. He's like, I don't think we should be here. We need to go. We need to get in a truck. And then all of a sudden we're standing there and they all stop at one time and it's complete silence. And it's, 
scary. And you're like, we looked at each other and he's like, get in the truck. And I'm like, whatever, fine. You know, I was like, that that is weird. Right. You know, it's so weird. So we get in the truck. Um, and as soon as the dome lights go out in his truck, uh, that's when I heard it. And I don't know what it was. And it was huge, whatever this made this sound. And it was a sound almost like a human mimicking a coyote. And it was a deep, you could tell it came from a a deep, deep within like a big creature, you know, a human. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I attained the fact that yes, this was a Sasquatch, you know, and this was, it, it was so close. <laughs> the sound of it, like, I, I try not to, I try to, in my mind, I try to block out the sound it made when it mimicked the coyote because for some reason it struck a chord of fear into me that I have never experienced before. It, whatever this thing was, it was alive, you know, it was it was so close. It was right behind me on my side by the back tire. And we had just shut the doors, you know, we had just jumped in, uh, you know, we had just gotten to the truck and then we heard that sound. It was just the sound. It was the time of, of, you know, the dome lights going out in your vehicle. And, um, I turned, I, my first, the first thing I did was I turned around and I slammed the door lock on the door shut, like <laughs> whatever it was, it was going to be defeated by that door lock by, by God, you know, by, by man, <laughs> it was not going to get in. Cause I slammed the lock shut, you know? So, uh, I turned to him and I'm like, did you hear that? I was freaking out and he didn't even his eyes. I'm telling you the whites of his eyes. I've never seen on another person how much of the whites of his eyes were showing. They were huge. His, the size of saucers, you know, the, of dinner plates. His eyes were huge. He's, and he's just like fumbling with the keys, like trying to get the keys in. And he throws the truck in the reverse and we leave. And we're driving and we're heading, like, we're going over, like, literally the wilderness. He's like bumbling through sagebrush bushes. He's like scratching like the side of his, like his truck on rocks and stuff. Cause we were so, we were so petrified. Um, I, I, I turned to him and I'm like, what was that? What made that sound? He's like, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. He's like, I don't know what it was. He's like, that's why we don't stop out here in the middle of nowhere because this place is haunted. I'm like, this, you know, and I didn't, I was just, I, I was freaking out. I'm like, if it's haunted, then there was something standing there, you know, there was something there. It wasn't haunted like a ghost, like, you know, it wasn't a ghost that made that sound. It was a real living creature that made that sound. And so that's what was really the scariest thing about it. One of the scariest things about it. Um, So we're driving down the main dirt road and I have... After that incident, I had a dream about that that moment when we're driving away from whatever that was. Right in my in my dream, it, it was the exact same thing. I relived the whole thing again, um, except that I turned and looked to the right hand side in my dream, 
and there's something running alongside the side of the truck in the dark, um, like a huge dark mass um, in my dream. Like in real, when I was actually experiencing that, I w- I didn't turn and look. Um, but the one, <laughs> maybe, I don't know, um, like, I could go back and relive that moment in my mind and, and I, I, I didn't, I didn't look out the side on the right hand side, but I had like a memory, a dream memory. I don't know what it is of looking, turning and looking and seeing something moving alongside the car. Um, so we get down the road, maybe 10 minutes and he's like, Oh, I know there's a really good hill up here. I can, uh, take, we can take the truck in and use my four wheel drive. We can go four buying is what he called it, which is stupid, but whatever. He um he was really proud of his truck and wanted to like climb up this sand hill. So we were like, well, what a you know, in my mind I'm thinking, well, whatever was back there, it's still back there. It didn't follow us. We're fine, we're safe. You know, I'm showing myself these things. He pulls off the dirt road into the wilderness again and we're driving up. We get to this this hill. Excuse me. And we're pointed up towards it and we start going up this hill. And if you're in sand and you have four wheel drive, it's I mean, his truck was made to go up hills like this. And he could we could not get up this hill. It kept bogging down and you could just hear like uh, you could just hear the truck like straining and like groaning. Like it was like something was holding the back and bogging it down. Like you could hear the bumper as it hit the sand, like something was grabbing it and pushing it down. And I was like, why is your truck doing this? What is going on? And it just kept going. We could not get up this stupid hill. Um, We, I mean, and we got maybe like three quarters of the way up this hill and all of a sudden it just goes up and the truck pops up and we have no problems. We get up the top of the hill, we smoke a cigarette, we get out. And I'm like, what in the hell is wrong with your truck? It's super dark. You can't see, see anything, you know? And, um, he's like, well, I want to do it again. He's like, my truck shouldn't have done that. I want to do this again. I want to do this again. And I'm like, Oh my Lord, (laughs) fine. You know, not like we didn't just experience like something out there in the wilderness wanting to kill us or something, you know, but okay, let's keep your truck up the sand hill again because you're a man and you have to prove something. So we get back down the hill (laughs) and we turn around. Yeah, you know, typical redneck actually is the right term for it, which is fine. You know, redneck, you you live your life, man. You do you, boo-boo. Anyway, so... (laughs) Where we turn around, we get down the bottom, we turn, you know, driving through the wilderness, driving through bushes and sagebrush, like killing bushes. And we get down to the very start uh, spot where we started and you can see a left tire. You can see a right tire in the sand. And then in the middle, uh, in the middle of the tire indentations, you can see feet indentations. Something was dragged up the hill that had feet. You know, something was dragged, something was hanging on to the back of his truck and it was 
trying to get us stuck. I feel like whatever it was, was trying to get us bogged down in the truck and trying to, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what it was. I, maybe it was trying to scare us. I don't know, but you could clearly see in the sand, the feet indentation, and then the two tire, tire indentations all the way up the hill at half, well, not all the way up about to the pot, to the spot where we, you know, popped up out of the sand. We were able to go all the way up the rest of the hill. I told, I turned to him, I told him whatever it was back there that we heard, it followed us and it was trying to get us stuck in the sand. I'm like, I know I with every fiber of my being, I know that's what that was trying. It was trying to do. And he was like, well, that's why we don't come out here at night. And that's why this place is. And I was like, dude, no, like, don't even start. You know, so he goes up the hill. We have absolutely zero problems going up this hill again. It, you know, that's what this tr- stupid truck was made for is going up these sand hills. And we get up to the top. We go back around. And and we, <laughs> I haven't been back there since. I haven't been back there since except for the two times. And the one time I was listening to the one about John Bindernagel and uh, the second time I was coming back there at, through there at night and I was so scared the whole time. It was about, it was like just a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and yeah, I have absolutely zero explanation to what, what that was. Well, other than it was Bigfoot, it was a Bigfoot, like seriously. I, um, and I shared that experience with my mom and, and I was like, because I told her, I'm like, it was the weirdest thing because all the way up the hill, you can just see, you know, the tire and the tire and then the two in the middle. I'm like, but it's like, it just, there was, it didn't like walk away. Like you couldn't see an indentation in the sand where it just walked away. Like it was just all of a sudden gone. And it was, you know, like it, it, it disappeared. It popped up. The truck went on its way. We went on its way. And that's when she was like, well, they're interdimensional beings. And I'm like, oh, you believe in Bigfoot. How dare you not kill me? So were there, do you know if there was any like um, dents or handprints or anything like that on the back of his truck, like something was holding on to it? Did you guys even think to check that? No. So his, um, so his bumper, it's actually a, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's like a metal, it's like a, an iron tube and he had custom made it himself and it's like this the the it's like an inch thick and it goes it i can't even explain it i i wanted to actually message him and ask him to send me a picture of it so if he sends me a picture of it i'll have send it to you but um because it's just like an a, a steel uh like a steel beam that he took and it in a circle a tube and he just welded it to the back of this truck and put it on there. So it wouldn't get, so we wouldn't like, you wouldn't get stuck in the sand. Like I had weight added onto it, you know? And cause that was my first thing was I'm like looking at the back of his truck thinking like, you know, I, it was scary though. I, I can't, I can't, um, I can't think of any kind of, explanation see in my mind i was just like you know this is ancient you know um there are lots of pet a lot of petroglyphs in that area there's a lot of um 
like the uh the rock dwellers the canyon dweller people and and so there's a lot of that stuff left behind and so i'm like it's just a skinwalker you know and and somehow it hated us it wanted us to die i don't know um it and so for a long time i used to believe that and i used to just hate hearing about bigfoot and um, it wasn't until I was sitting there thinking about John Bendernagel and I was, and I wish I wasn't, I like thinking of the two together, but I was like, why do I feel so, why do I feel so strongly about Bigfoot? You know? And I remember like telling my friend Alexis, I'm like, they're never going to find him. It's not real. It doesn't exist. And I'm like, why would I like, why, why, why do I feel so strongly like that? And I'm like, it's not like I haven't had a Bigfoot experience. And then I'm like, Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Oh my god! I'm up and I'm at cane beds. Like, what was that? That I mean, that falls exactly for me into the genre of what I think a bigfoot could possibly do. It mimicked the sound of something else. It held, you know, it was big enough that it could hold something like that truck back. Like I'm like telling myself, you know, that's I feel like that's why I was felt so strongly about bigfoot was because inside I knew that that's what that could have been. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> that's what I think. I mean, when you look at all I the things too. that, you know, happened in that short period of time, I mean, you start putting two to two together and you're just like, even if it was a person that was dragging on the back of the truck, I mean, that doesn't make sense because, you it know, doesn't. I could grab on the back of your, your boyfriend's truck and, he would just drag me along and, exactly, and I, yes. cer- I certainly would still be there when I let go because I'd be beat up, you know, like I wouldn't just <laughs> get up and walk away. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and I was like looking online, I'm like looking at the type of truck that he had. It's like a 1986, like Toyota. And I'm like, it weighs 2000 pounds. I'm like, there's no, I'm like, Oh, a ghost is going to just hold back 2000, a 2000 pound truck. Like, come on, Sarah. Like, let's think a little bit, like let's open up our minds a little bit here and try and imagine that maybe it wasn't a ghost. Like, <laughs> you know, like, come on, Sarah. I was telling myself. Well, Sarah, I'll tell you <laughs> what, you've had some intense experiences throughout your life. And, uh, I, I really do appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. Yeah. I appreciate being able to come on and, and, uh, really talk about these things. Um, like I said, like I told you before, you know, I haven't really shared too much of these experiences until I talked to you and I've really kind of come to terms with like, these are things that happened, you know, take it or leave it. Like, this is what's happened. If, you know, I, I like to keep an open mind, like, you know, if you have an explanation for, you know, people I know, I'm like, if you have an explanation for these things, then go right ahead and tell me how you, how you feel about it. Because I'm, you know, I'm not trying to disclose or any, you know, say that it's something that it wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm open to all kinds of stuff, I guess, and theories and whatever. So. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the best way to be, to just remain open and keep your mind open about things because that's how you're really going to find out, you know, what you went through and also what, uh, these things are. I mean, we got to just keep an open mind. Just, that's basically what I say all the time. I hammer that into the the ground. Keep an open mind, please. So (laughs) exactly. Yeah. 
And like, I, you know, when I was showing people with pictures and the uh, lights, when I experienced the lights following me, because I have this one photo, um, and I don't know if you actually even looked at them or not or anything, but the one photo I have is of this weird light coming up out of this chair-shaped orange object in the sky. And yes. it looks like a shooting star coming up out of, coming out of this object. And, and every time I get to that photo, people are like, what? What is that? I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't know what it is. I'm like, that's why I want to find out. You know, that's why I'm open to trying to hear what other people say about it, I guess. It's also yeah. fun to hear what other people have to share, too. So. I actually have that picture open on my computer right now and I blew it up. And uh, zooming in on it, it just gets all pixelated and, you know, that kind of sucks. But is it? Yeah. Yeah. I know when I shared the ones with, because uh, the move, I had the move on interview and I was, uh, I sent him the photos and he was like, yeah, I can't really zoom in too far on them. And, uh, and because some of them I took from, I just took my camera out and I took a picture of it like right there. Right. And then when you zoom in on it, it's, you know, it's, it's the weirdest thing. And it has like this weird black circle behind it. And it looks like the sky is opening up and letting this object come through and it's bizarre. I don't know. You know, man, crazy things out there. Twilight zone, you know, that's just <laughs> whatever it is, man. It is what it is. So that's right. I really appreciate you coming on and talking though. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. And, and good luck with your endeavors and everything that you do. I really appreciate um, you and the work that you do and allowing people to come on and talk about things that I've been able to relate to and um, really feel comfortable with myself and being able to even talk about it in the first place. So thank you, Tony. Oh, thank right you. on. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got my email and I think we're friends on Facebook. Feel free to reach out anytime. All right. No problem, man. You have a good one. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please go ahead and share it with your friends. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, email. I don't care how you share the show, but just share the show. And if you haven't done so already, go ahead and sign up for our first in line text message community. You see, if you are part of social media and the confessionals, you're not guaranteed to see everything we put out because it gets buried very quickly. Plus, you're not guaranteed that we're not going to be censored either. And for you to sign up as part of first in line text message community guarantees anything important coming out from the confessionals, you're going to be the first one to hear about it. So if you want to be part of this community, go ahead and text the word YUP, Y-U-P, to 844-215-0819. That's 844-215-0819. Text the word YUP, Y-U-P, and you'll be first in line to learn anything important coming from the confessionals. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye.
shakes the ground.